Cool. So if you're lady, get along to that guy. Sorry, you can't uh, make that. Hey, I've got a couple of uh, exciting, sad things. One's exciting, one's a little sad. Uh, it's Megan's birthday today. Happy birthday, Megan. So, Megan, we have a chocolate here for you. Happy birthday, Megan. How old are you? 28. Oh, well done. So that's the happy one. The, 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 the sad one is that it's the last service today for Cat. So come on down, Cat. Cat's been part of a, an integral part of our church for a number of years. And she's such a faithful servant that even on her last day, she answered the call to help out on, uh, on hosting. Um, we've, we've just so appreciated having you as a part of us, Cat. And uh, you're going to be really missed. So Cat is going uh, to London, England to uh, adventure around. Yeah. And uh, but eventually she's going to come back here. She promised me that. Uh, no, she didn't. But uh, we can pray that she will. So here's a little something just to say thank you. And uh, yeah, we love you. Awesome. Come on, put your hands together, Kat. She's awesome. Cool. All right. Unfortunately, we have we have some uh, we have a sick worship leader. Hence, I'm jumping around from place to place uh, today. So getting the full. Whitaker show, I'm sorry about that. Uh, oh, thanks. <laughs> so, this is our final in our, new ser- in, our, in our series, new series, in our series, Give Me This Mountain. Who's been enjoyed, enjoyed this series? Who's, who's, uh, who's been inspired by the life of Caleb? Uh, I think he's a pretty inspiring guy. Uh, Caleb and Joshua just had something different about them. Something really quite different about them. And, and I think it's something that we can really learn from. Because I think today in the Western world, there's very much a sense of identity crisis. People are, are a bit lost. It's, it's probably not a new concept because it, it's an age-old question. Who, who am I? You know, who am I? What, where do I fit? What's my purpose in life? Who am I really? It's just that today with, with social media, it's kind of it's brought that question to the fore because more than any other time, you can present an image. You pre- can present to the world this persona and yet actually be something quite different behind that. And, and I think, you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I post on Facebook, most people post the good stuff. The stuff with us succeeding in life. The, the highlight reel, if you like. And, and too often we, we look at those things and we think, oh, oh, I want to be them. You know, you're busy. Because when you look at Facebook, you're generally doing something a bit boring. Or you're bored, because that's why you look at it. So you're busy folding Mount Washington. And you see your, you see your friend swanning away taking photos on a beach in Fiji. It's a bit hard to to celebrate for them, isn't it? It's a bit hard to kind of be like, oh, it's so good, I'm so happy for you uh, when you're stuck folding washing. Uh, but I've heard it said that we compare ourselves, when we compare ourselves with others on social media, we're, we're essentially, we're comparing our everyday with their highlight reel. And that's kind of true, isn't it? Because you, you, you don't, generally, people don't take, look, folding the washing, doing the dishes, uh, here's me, you know, cleaning the toilet, you don't, you don't post those things. And if you do, okay. Uh, but you see, what we project 
is often quite different to how we actually are. And there's a degree where, you know, I think we, we kind of fake it till we make it. And I think actually the, the struggle with identity, if we peel back those layers of, you know, Facebook, because it's not just social media. We do it outside of social media as well, don't we? We present, we, especially at church, we come along and we're like, yeah, yeah, things are good. And we put on our happy smiley face. And, and, but actually inside, there are questions. Who am I? Who am I really? And in this series, I feel like the greatest giant that we face, because Caleb, to take his promised land, to, to get his mountain, he had to face a number of giants. And I feel that the greatest giant that we face today is, is the giant of identity. Caleb was a man who had to face it, but he, he faced it because he knew who he was in God. He knew who his God was. So he could take that mountain. He could take down those giants because he knew God was for him. God was with him, and he didn't need to look to himself. See, Caleb and Joshua and 10 other spies were, were told to scout out the promised land. And 10 of them came back and, and brought a very different report to Caleb and Joshua. And, I, and I'm going to read that passage for you because it, it gives us an insight. Numbers 13. It says, They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which he sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. So their view of themselves was so puny and so small that they couldn't go and take their mountain just because of their own self-image issues, their own struggle with identity. In the, in the face of a giant, they didn't think they had enough. But Caleb and Joshua said, yeah, actually, you're right. We don't have enough. But in God, we can do this. We can take this mountain. How Caleb sees through a different lens. He sees through the eyes of faith. And that's what we need to get our true identity. You see, there were giants in the land. There's no, nobody's denying that. And there are giants in your promised land. There are giants in your future that you have to face. There are obstacles you have to overcome. And I think if we're to be really grounded in God, the first thing we have to get is identity. We have to find our identity in God. So today I want to kind of ask three questions around identity and answer them in this space. So the first one is, and it's the big one, who am I? Who am I? Because for too many of us, I think we get the sense of who we are by looking to others for affirmation, for confirmation that we're doing okay, or, or we get it through what we do. You know, uh, I can do these things, therefore I am. Or we just get it about how we feel about ourselves. And how many know that that fluctuates? Because some days you're feeling good, some days not so much. 
But too, too often our sense of identity, it floats around. It needs an anchor. It needs a rock. And God is that. God is that anchor to our identity. Philippians 4, 19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. All our needs are met in Jesus. And that includes our need for identity. That includes our need for self-worth, for feeling that, yes, I'm okay with who I am. God gives us that. Because we aren't our good works or our bad sins. We aren't what others say we are. We're not even what we think and perceive we are. Actually, we can be defined by who God says we are. And this is what he says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is like the key verse I want you to get. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. You're ever asking yourself, who am I? What, where do I fit? You are the righteousness of God. That is powerful if we let that sink in. Because too often we define ourselves based on, you know, what we do. Whether we're good enough or, or not, we kind of make up this ledger. I don't know how many of you do this, but in our lives we're like, this week I've done this many good things and this many bad things. And Okay, so I've made it this week. I've been a good person this week. I can, I can hold my head up high in church this week. But what happens next week when you, you struggle with sin comes alive again and you're snapping at your kids and you're having wrong thoughts and you're feeling just, you know, you come to church and you're like, oh, you know, I'm not good enough. Well, I tell you what, you're not good enough. You never will be good enough. It's not about being good enough. It's about finding ourselves in Christ. You'll never meet that standard because the standard is perfection and you'll fail it every day. But in Christ, God says, you are his righteousness. You are his righteousness. The Old Testament hero, Abraham, kind of helps us understand this. And Romans is an amazing book. Uh, Romans 4, you can go and read the whole chapter, but in verse 2 it says, if in fact Abraham was justified by works... He had something to boast about. If you are justified by about doing the good things, as a good Christian should do, if that's what it's all about, then you can be justified by your works. But, but it's saying here, Abraham, if he was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. But what does the Scripture say? Abraham, this is what it says, believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God. See, it wasn't actually the good works that Abraham did. It was his trust, his belief in God that made him righteous. You and I are righteous not by the things we do, not by the words we say, not by coming to church every Sunday and going to e-group and, and, and being nice to our workmates and loving our kids. No, we are made righteous by our faith, by our belief and our trust in God. And something in our minds doesn't like that, and we keep reverting back to try and earn our way into God's favor. Am I, am I alone in this? No, I think we all do it. We need to get this deep in us. I am the righteousness of God. Because let me ask you, can an unrighteous person do righteous deeds? It's not a trick question. Yes, they can. Can a righteous person do unrighteous deeds? Yeah, they can. So it's actually not based on what you do. 
It's based on what Jesus says about us, on what he's done for us. Because if you, if you define it by, you know, what we do, well, accountants account, engineers engineer, sports people play sport, sinners sin, righteous people do righteous things. That's, that's, if that's the way it works. But that's not how it works. Because Isaiah 64 says, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. All your righteous acts, all the good things you do, in the view of God, are like filthy rags. Because you'll never be clean enough. You'll never be good enough. Jesus became that sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. If we feel we have to earn it, then it's a, it's a long, hard, unfruitful road. But when we truly realize who we are in Christ, that's when we can walk in true righteousness. Because righteousness is actually knowing where we stand with God. It's receiving with humility, actually, God, you have made me okay. You've made me more than okay. You said I am good. I'm created in your image. So the thing we need to start believing about ourselves is that actually we're better than we think we are. You are better than you think you are. The enemy is a liar and an accuser, and he will always get on your back and on your case and say, oh, you're not good enough. You've stuffed it this time. Call yourself a Christian. You know, and he'll get on your case. And the 10 spies believed those lies. They, they came back with that report. You know, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes, and we are the same to ourselves. But Caleb was like, no, I'm not going to believe those lies. We've got this. Because actually... We're better than we think we are. He believed in himself because he believed in God first. The world will tell you, you just need to believe in yourself. That's half the equation. You believe in yourself because God first believes in you. And, and it's, it's interesting, in Numbers 14, do you know how the people responded to Joshua and Caleb when they, when they said, no, we can do it? It says that they wanted to stone Caleb. They wanted to stone him. Isn't it funny? How someone brings a positive report, and everybody else is like, oh, no, no, you can't do that. Oh, no, what are you thinking? You know, if, if we say, you know, we want to see a church of a 1,000 people in Timaru. I know there'll be people going, oh, no, you, you can't do that. It's never been done before. What do you think? You're just arrogant. And You know, it's, it's easy. It's easy to sit on the sidelines and observe and, and mutter away. <laughs> But actually, it takes courage to go, no, in God, I'm going to give this a shot. In God, we can do this. Some of you, perhaps you, you actually like feeling bad about yourself because it gives you an excuse not to change. You, it's safe to remain where you are. Sometimes just actually feeling bad about our situation can almost be a comfort to ourselves. Oh, well, they hurt me and this has happened and, and this is why I am the way I am and nothing will change and, and that's actually okay and I'm okay with that. But actually, God has, we've sung it this morning, so much more for you. There is so much more you can do in God. That's not because of your good deeds. I hope you're getting this message. It's because of Christ and His completed work. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm amazing. 
Come on, say it with conviction. I am amazing. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, you are. Some of you are not so convinced. <laughs> but we are. And who are we to argue with God? It's arrogant of us to think, oh, actually, God doesn't, God doesn't actually know. Uh, no, you can't disagree with him on this. He says you are created in his image. And he is good. He is perfect. So if you're created like him, then there is a goodness in you. Now, I know that what's been corrupted, there is the fall. I get that. But in Christ, that we are renewed. We are restored. You see, people think that, you know, punishment and hell, that's, people go there because of the, the wrong that they do, the sin in their lives. But actually, separation from God, because that's what hell is, it actually comes from our unbelief. The only difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is belief. Belief in a God who can save them. Not in the good things that they do. And we get that muddled up so many times. But actually, the only difference, it's, a, it's an issue of belief, of trust in God. So who am I? Well, you are the righteousness of God. And because of that, you are far better than you think you are. So my next question, number two, is, is what am I? Now, you're human. I've got that. But what, what am I? You are more gifted than you think you are. You are. Each and every one of you, you are more gifted than you realize. But your gift, let's get this clear, your gift doesn't define who you are. Actually, the gift tells you of the giver. Just like, you know, a gift under a Christmas tree, it tells us nothing about the Christmas tree. It's all about the one who placed it there for you to unwrap. So your gifts have been given by God. They are good things. And, and some, some people have been given gifts in some areas and some in, in others. And who are you to resent the giver for the gifts that you've been given? It's easy, isn't it, to, to look, at, look at others and go, oh man, I wish I had their gifts. I wish I could sing like they could. I wish I could, uh, you know, run and do sports like them. I wish I was smart as them. I wish I was as good looking. And, you know, it's easy to look at others and wish that you had their gifts. But God has given you gifts. He's, he's designed you perfectly. He wants you just the way you are. And actually, far more important than focusing on our gifts is actually thinking about the fruit in our lives. God actually talks about that we're designed to produce good fruit, not just gifts. And that the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, humility, self-control. Yeah, those are the gifts of the Spirit. And actually, our lives should be more about releasing those things in it. And, and through us rather than, than just using our talents. But I tell you what, gifts are important. They, they do have a role. And, and your gift or your gifts are powerful. It's good to be gifted. Don't get me wrong. But if you just look to your gifts and, and make them define who you are, then that's a dangerous place. Because what happens when you're not so good at what you do? What happens when you, you fail at something? What happens if... 
you know, something traumatic happens and you were once a great violinist, but you lost three fingers and that's not going to happen anymore. You know, and that defined who you were. Who are you then? Too often we look at our gifts and we, we let them define who we are. Some of you are gifted in all sorts of things. Some of you got the gift of hospitality. You're, you're awesome at, at, at having people around and making people feel at home. Some of you have the gift of administration. I love those people. Uh, come and talk to me later if that's you. Uh, that's not one of my gifts. Some of you are musical. Some of you are uh, you know, good with your hands, uh, good at making and fixing stuff. Gifts are awesome. And gifts will open doors in your life. Proverbs 16 18, 16 tells us this. It says, A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. So a gift will open doors for you. Both a literal gift that you bring, but also your gift, your talent, will bring you before greatness. Will, will, will take you into places. They will, it will open doors. Um, my question for you is, what are you doing with those open doors? Is the door just open for you? Because if you're just using your gift to open doors for yourself and for your own selfish gain, then I don't think you're using your gift right. See, a gifting that's not married with a calling will be used for selfish gain. A gifting that's not married with a calling will be used for selfish gain. So we need to, to give our gifts and allow God to breathe on them and to, to use them to bless others. Because too many people, they, they're, they're using their gifts just solely for their own selfish ends. You know, they use their gift to, for their own advancement to, or to stroke their own ego. And, and actually, so many gifts are developed in the church. You know, music gifts are, are a key one, you know. For kids, you know, they, they come up singing and stuff, then they go and use those talents in the world. And, and that's okay, but if, you, if you're not also sewing back, if you're not opening the door for others then you're using it for selfish ends. You know, business people can say, oh, well, I worked so hard to get myself here. I did all this work. Well, you may have worked hard, but actually everything you've got is by the grace of God. Everything we have, the fact that you're breathing air today is by the grace of God. So don't get too big for your boots. <laughs> you might have a gift for business or music or fixing things or whatever, and, and you need to excel in those things. But, but be careful. What are those doors that are being opened? Are they being opened just for you? Or are they being opened so you can be blessed to be a blessing? See, that's what the promise of Abraham was. He was blessed to be a blessing. He was gifted so that he could lead a nation. But some people think, oh, no, that, that, that gift is, is just for me. How do you know if you've got a gift? You don't have to go on X Factor. Uh, in fact, some of those people who go on X Factor shouldn't go on X Factor. They just let them in because they know that they don't have a gift. But some, some nobody's told them along the way. It's painful. You see them and you're like, oh, who told you you could sing? Your parents should have stopped you a lot earlier. But, but how, do, how do you know if you're gifted or not? Usually, it's, it's something that you think, oh, everybody can do that. Everybody can do that. That's easy, you know. But actually, it's not. And you have an ease to what the way that you do it. And you can do it with no problem. But others actually find it really hard. And there is a favor. Those open doors will happen if you have a gift 
it will open doors for you. And you'll, so you'll find that actually things are happening with that gift. So follow that favor in your life. Okay, so, so we're asking, answering a couple of questions. Who am I? You're better than you think you are because you are the righteousness of Christ. Number two is, what am I? Well, you're more gifted than you think you are because God has given gifts in your life. And number three is, well, what can I do? What can I do in my life? If, if who I am talks of your character and, and that character is, is just fil- filthy rags without God, we, we need His grace. And what I, what I am talks of your gifting and you, if you marry that with your calling, then you can, you can touch people's lives. You're blessed to be a blessing. Then what I do, that talks of your capacity. That talks of what, you know, what can actually happen through your life. And that comes down to your belief. Your trust. Because you can do more than you think you can do. I love that we sang today, and I didn't actually choose a song list. Narisha uh, did because she was um, supposed to be worship leading, but she's sick. But uh, it's perfect, that song, More. And we've sung in that, in that, chorus, in that verse. And I, well, it's a bridge, actually. That I, I don't quite, I find it hard to sing that, 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 the one that says, we're ready for greater things than our Savior has done in this world. Have you stopped and thought about that? And I, well, hang on. Jesus uh, laid hands on people, saw them, you know, uh, blind eyes open, deaf ears hear. He, he raised people from the dead. And I can do greater? I don't know about you, but that blows my mind a bit. But get this, John 14, verse 12. Very truly I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus said it. Who am I to argue? But too many of us, we we protect the high watermark of Jesus. We think, oh, you know, Jesus is the pinnacle of our faith. And yes, he's our Savior and our Redeemer, but he said that we would do greater. He said it. So stop protecting, because it's a very religious thing to, to kind of protect the high watermark of what Jesus did. But actually, we need to be humble enough to say, actually, God, you could use me. You could do those things through me, because it's Jesus' idea. How, how many of you remember that moment when you surpassed your parent at something? Do you remember that moment? You know, I remember the moment that I could run faster than my dad. I was like, yeah. I can't remember how old he was at that time. But, you know, there will be a moment, there should be a moment in our lives when we go further, when we surpass our parents. I'm, I, I will consider my parenting a failure if my, parents, if my kids don't go further than I do. If my girls don't achieve greater, because I want them to stand on my shoulders. I want them to go further. I don't want them to start on the same platform as I did. I want them to go further. Because that's how God builds. He builds generationally. You only have to look at some of the great churches in the world, and, and even actually in, in, in businesses, and even nations. They build generationally. One on top of another, on top of another, and things get better and refine and go further and greater. That is, that's how God builds. And so Jesus is the same. He was like the, the, you know, the firstborn of, of, 
of us in a sense that the things that he did, he said, now you can go and you can build on that. And, and there's some examples in the Bible. Some of you will know the story of the, the woman with the issue of blood. So there's a, there's a lady who's been bleeding for 12 years. She must have had terrible iron levels. Uh, and she, she hears that Jesus is passing through town. And so she follows at a distance. And, and eventually she pushes her way through the crowd and she touches it's just the hem of his garment, just, just his robe. She touches that, and she's instantly healed. And Jesus goes, well, who touched me? And everyone's like, what do you mean who touched you? You're in a busy crowd, Jesus. Lots of people touching you. He said, no, no, I felt power go out from me. And, and so an amazing miracle happened for her. Skip forward to the New Testament church. Acts 19, verse 11 is what it says. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. How many of you know that's, that's like a level up from Jesus? You know, they had to be present. Jesus was actually wearing the clothes and the lady had to be present. But here, Paul's not even there. He's got a snotty handkerchief. Oh, I don't know, maybe, he, maybe it's a clean one. But... Or his apron. I don't know who knew. Paul was a chef. His apron. Uh, but people are just being touched by that. And, and God is doing miracles. That's another level. And, and it says here in verse 11, Now if there's unusual miracles, it says there, Paul had the power to perform unusual miracles. By a uh, process of, of logic, there must also be usual miracles. Uh, what, what's a usual miracle? Like just the odd um, person seeing or deaf person hearing or, I don't know, people being healed in your presence. Uh, maybe those are just the usual miracles. But, you know, there's a sense that actually we need to be expecting miracles every day. Usual miracles. Com the common miracle. <laughs> I just saw the common miracle today when I prayed for my workmate and they were healed of that illness that they had. Come on. We need to start believing for greater. Not just singing about it in church. But we need to start going, now actually Jesus said, and I take Jesus at his word. Because if that's not true, then everything he says isn't true. They're, 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 you know, it's all, either all true or it's all a lie. Or if, you know, if it's a mixed bag, then what, we, what do we, you know? What are we believing? No, Jesus said, you can do even greater. So if we combine those things, who am I, what, what am I, and, and what can I do? We're kind of combining our character, our, our gifting, and our calling, and, and our capacity. And, and when we do that, when we release that in our lives, that's, that's essentially ministry. We minister to the world around us. Too many people think ministry is what I'm doing here today on a Sunday. No, ministry is when you reach out in your calling, when you reach out knowing who you are in God and with the gifts that you've been given and you take a step of faith and you do something that God is calling you to do. And that is actually what will change people's lives. That's actually what will touch people in the world around you. Because a gifting, you can look at a gifting and go, oh, that's nice. And a gifting can kind of, you know, may impress you for a bit. Oh, they've got an amazing voice. or Oh, they're really good at doing that. You know, fixed my car. That was awesome. Thank you. 
Um, and that's great. But actually, when you, when you take that a step further and you combine it with the power of God, then you're actually ministering to people. Can I invite uh, Keys up? I'm convinced, actually, that this morning God wants to release some faith in us. He wants to do something on the inside of you. He wants you to believe again that actually I've got something worth giving. And that starts from knowing who we are in God. Starts from knowing that we are the righteousness of God. Not because of anything we did, not because we've earned His favor, but purely because of what Jesus did and the fact we believe and we trust Him in that. And I don't know, I reckon, as I said at the start, so many people, they struggle with identity. They're like, am I good enough? Am I doing okay? Am I making it? I don't know. What's the level? Where's the benchmark? Who sets that? Actually, we're looking at it the wrong way. We need to come to God and say, God, I receive what you have for me. I receive your grace that I am righteous, not because of what I did, not because I've earned it, but because you love me enough to send your son to die on a cross, to to be raised again, to make a way that I can know you, that I can have right standing with you, God. That is what gives us identity when we find ourselves in Christ. And from out of that, your giftings will flow. What, why don't you stand to your feet here this morning? I want to I wanna pray for a, a couple of groups of people this morning. Firstly, I just want to pray for those who, who can identify with the struggle with identity. <laughs> you know, yeah, actually, I do trust, compare myself and I do try and work out who I am and, and I'm not ever, really ever sure if I'm measuring up, if I'm doing it right as this, as a Christian, if I'm, you know, if you're here this morning and you know, yeah, I, I struggle with that. God wants that to stop. And He wants you to know that you are right with Him. And that you are defined not by your works, not by your deeds, not by your thoughts about yourself, but by what He says about you. Just with every eye closed here in this place. Come on, let's open our hearts to God right now. Come, Spirit of God. Lord, we invite you now to define us. Come on, he's here. If you're here and you know, yeah, I need, this isn't an altar call for salvation. This is just a a call for, to know again in your heart that you're okay. That who you are is okay because you are created by God in His image and you are the righteousness of God if that's you here this morning just raise your hand just reach out to Him He wants to touch you He wants you to know that just have the humility to say yeah I've been trying to do it by myself I need your help God come on that's awesome His hands raised all over the place Father we come to you Lord we We acknowledge that, God, we've been trying to make it happen ourselves. We've been trying to to be good enough, God, and we're sorry for trying. Lord, we come and we, we receive. We receive the free gift of grace. We receive 
the knowledge that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what He did on the cross. We receive that into us. And Lord, we thank you that we are okay. We are doing okay. We are more than okay. We are good because of what you did. Thank you, Jesus. We receive your love in our lives this morning. The second group of people I, I want to pray for is that you know you've, you've got a gifting in your life, but you haven't released it because you've kind of, you thought, oh, well, that's, it's a, it's not, it's not a normal gifting. It's not an obvious one. Or maybe you've been wishing that you had another gift. Maybe you've been wishing that actually I had their gifts. And God has put His finger on you this morning saying, no, actually you are gifted the way I want you to be gifted. And you just need to embrace that and start to release that in your life. If that's you this morning, you know that you've, fought, you've struggled with your idea of being gifted or being having a talent. You might not even think you have one. I want to say this morning, God has gifted you. You have more than you think you have. And just now, if you want to raise your hand, I want to pray for a release of those gifts in your life. Come on. Yeah, I see a few hands. I know there's more. Father, I thank you this morning that you have gifted people. And it's in a variety of ways, Lord. And it's not just, you know, oh, they've got a good singing voice. Oh, oh they've got good sporting prowess. No, you've gifted people in, in so many, variety, as many as there are different people in the world, there are giftings on people's lives. And Lord, I, re, I pray a release for those things right now, God. And I pray that re, something would stir in people's hearts that they would know they have more than enough to be able to do what you've called them to do. And I pray that these gifts wouldn't define them, but Lord, they would open doors for them in their lives. They would make ways possible that they didn't think. They would stand before kings and queens because they would, their gift would be released through them. I pray right now, your Holy Spirit, release those gifts in Jesus' name. Awesome. And the final one, and I think this is all of us. I want to pray that you believe for more. You believe that actually you can do more. As Jesus said, we will do greater. I've raised, I've got my hand raised in this. If you want to do greater in Christ, if you want to see usual and unusual miracles in your life, then reach out to Him this morning and believe again in faith. God, we cry out, Lord, we, we declare we want to see the miraculous through us, Lord. We want to see people healed from cancer. We want to see you break through and, and just, in, in prophetic ways, God, you would move and we would see things shift in people's lives. Whole families come to know you, Jesus. Whole families turned around, God. We will see even communities change, God, because of what you have placed in and through us. Lord, we thank you that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your Holy Spirit. And we receive your Spirit now afresh. God, empower us in this place so we can go forward into our world and perform amazing things, even as you've called us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. And there's one more group of people that I want to pray for. And that's if you're here this morning and you know that your life is not right with God, you know that you're, if you were to, to come before God, you don't know whether you would go to eternity with Him or 
eternally without him, whether he would say, welcome, good and faithful servant. Come on, if you're here this morning, just everybody's eyes closed and head bowed. If you're here this morning and you know, you need to get your life right with Jesus. Come on, he loves you. He loves you with an unending love. And he's calling you this morning. He's saying, son, daughter, come into relationship with me. You don't have to earn your way. You just need to open up. If that's you this morning, you want to open your life to God. And if you raise your hand, I'll see it. You can put it down and then we'll pray a simple prayer, opening our lives to God again. Is there anybody here that wants to do that this morning? Come on, you want to open your heart to God. This is a powerful moment. Maybe you've known him in the past. You've felt his touch. You can't deny that, but you know that just over the course of time, you've drifted away. Things have not gone as you planned and you've lost hope. You've become disillusioned. I want to say, while you may have stopped believing in God, he's never stopped believing in you. And he's got good plans for you. He's got the best plans for you if you'll just open your heart to him. Is there anybody here this morning? You want to recommit your life to him? I'll give you a couple of moments because this is this is life and death stuff here. not seeing any hands. Oh, yep. Awesome. There's one hand. Anybody else? Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. And if you know in your heart that, yeah, actually, I should have made that decision, you can still pray this prayer in your heart. You don't have to have your head, your hand up. God, God sees your heart. He knows you inside and out so what I want us to do is we'll all pray this together I'll pray a line you pray it after me dear God I come to you today come on nice and loud I come to you today and I say sorry sorry for trying to earn my way into your good books I receive today your free gift of grace through your son, Jesus Christ. Come into my heart and change me. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. That's cool. Very cool.